Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. sources. Behind-the-scenes experience in Washington and around the world. Here's the opinion page editor of the Deseret News, Boyd Matheson, on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back, everyone. This is Inside Sources. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. Thanks for joining us on a Monday. This is the extended edition of Inside Sources. We'll be with you all the way till 3 o'clock today. And we'll pass the baton over to Grant Nielsen, who will get you home. And obviously, we've been talking a lot uh, about the events over the weekend, what that means. We've looked at all kinds of different solutions. We had Jenny Howe on talking about some of the mental health uh, scenarios and options and things we should be talking about in that space. Brian King, a rep- Democratic representative, uh, joined us to talk about many of the bipartisan pieces of legislation that are being done here in the state of Utah on mental health to guns and everything in between. Uh, I I believe there is a Utah model moment out there where Utah could again be something that the nation can look to. Uh, We are often this great uh, window in, window out uh, space here in Utah with a model that works in terms of coming together and talking about real solutions and, and how do we move things forward. Uh, always interested in, in your take, your thoughts. Uh, as always, you can join us on the Utah Community Credit Union text line. That's 57500. Again, 57500. And uh, only when it's safe, because safety first. Um, a couple of texts that have come in. Uh, some people say, well, it's not going to be worth anything because Mitch McConnell won't put it on the floor of the Senate, which is exactly why Mitch McConnell has to be part of the process. So I actually agree with that. Uh, and our texture is right. The House has passed some good bills that are just collecting dust on dust on Mitch McConnell's desk. And this is this has become uh, part of the Senate uh, started under Harry Reid. Things just got shelved and gathering dust. And uh, Mitch McConnell is doing the same thing. So the, the Senate is broken, which is why the Senate needs to be involved. Both Mitch McConnell and uh, Chuck Schumer need to be involved in that process. And again, I, I'm giving them 21 days. You can uh, you can do a whole lot in 21 days uh, if you are focused. Uh, one texter said, you know, isn't one of the primary jobs of the president to unite the nation? Um, and I agree with that. Absolutely. Uh, in fact, I'm uh, writing a piece right now that is uh, we often talk about the leader of the free world as having the bully pulpit. Uh, so there's a bully component to that. And there is a pulpit part of that. And uh, how do we use both of those components in order to uh, to lead the free world? Uh, and again, a lot of other really interesting texts coming in. Uh, many people are excited about this idea that we could 
have the president throw out a 21-day challenge, and let's see what happens. Let's just see what happens. Uh, if you've missed our earlier discussion, you can listen to the podcast uh, here on KSL. You can also read the editorial on DeseretNews.com. It's our 21-day challenge uh, to the president and to leaders in Washington to get something done. All right, on to the solution side of the program. Uh, it's always fascinating how things come back around. Uh, a little while ago, I did an interview with uh, Joseph Grinney, uh, author of Influencer, great, uh, just an extraordinary soul who's uh, driving the uh, Other Side Academy that's doing some f- fabulous work here in the state of Utah. He's trained organizations around the world. And we had used Joseph to facilitate a discussion of high school students uh, after the tragic shooting in Florida last year. And uh, I was asking Joseph about that. And uh, really asking him to weigh in on the gun debate, gun laws, uh, but really go through some of the things that all of us ought to be thinking about as it relates to how do we influence whether school shooting, mass shooting, uh, many of these horrific incidents that have happened in the United States of America. And listen close. This is what Joseph had to say. One of the best ways to learn about influence is to ask the converse question. It's not how can we create change, it's why do we need to create change? What mm-hmm. what got us into the mess that we're in? Yeah. So I'll sidestep your question for a moment and come very quickly back yeah. to it. But you look, for example, at the obesity problem in the United States, and uh, something that affects all of us. And and too often we, we fail to ask ourselves not how do you solve the problem, but how do we get into it to begin with? Because sources of influence had to change in order for behavior to change. Right. We did this to ourselves. Yeah. We may have done it unconsciously. It could be that there are people that had an economic interest in creating the problem and are profiting from the problem. But every one of the six sources of influence that we describe in the influencer book had to change in order for for eating habits to change and exercise habits to change and so forth to get us to where we are today. So now you go to the the problem with uh, with school shootings. I was going to accuse you of uh, having talked to my wife this morning because (laughs) I know the source of influence. It's called powdered donuts for breakfast. (laughs) It's it's the real is the real issue. So. She's texting me now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but we appreciate the intervention. That's, that's good. All right, let's get back to back to guns. School shootings are the same. Yeah. Uh, anybody who's paying any attention at all realizes this has become normative behavior. Right. So you have a subpopulation of people who are probably depressed and anxious, feeling disconnected from society. And this has become a, a new vital behavior for them, a way of, of garnering attention, of feeling validated, of feeling heard and listened to. Uh, it, it's horrific. Um, it's uh, it, it's it's despicable. But the problem is that all of us are kind of unwittingly supporting the sources of influence that are propagating this. Mm-hmm. So I'll give you one example. When you look at the six sources of influence, social norms becomes one. And I, and, and when something becomes I, becomes popularized, uh, seems normalized, it's more likely to be adopted, particularly by somebody that's in a psychologically vulnerable place. One of the most common ways that happens is through the press. So you'll have a school shooting, and it's going to make the front headlines. We're going yeah. to obsess for an hour and a half on the morning news about it. And not only are we going to do that, we're going to name the shooter. Mm-hmm. We're going to describe the shooter's methods. We're going to describe the kind of weapons that they use. We're going to actually put up tally lists. It's almost like the NBA finals. You're going to see the scorecard yeah. about how this person's body count relates to the previous shooters. Mm-hmm. And when you're when you're a person in that kind of psychologically vulnerable place, seeing this enormous amount of validation and attention, it's intoxicating. Yeah. So we're conspiring by organizing these sources of influence 
influence to support that. Now, you can talk about access to guns as well. It's not, not a coincidence that in our country you see this more often than in countries where you have less access to guns. Mm-hmm. Is that the sole source of influence? Absolutely not. Right. But it's one of them, and we can't deny it. So when you start putting powdered white donuts on your counter <laughs> and you have a box of them in your car, are you more or less likely to eat them, Boyd? Yeah, I, I would have no idea. <laughs> I'll plead the fifth on that. No. Absolutely. No, it, absolutely. It, it's what's around you. Is, access is a access. source of influence. Yeah. I mean, we, we've done little studies in collaboration with a social t- scientist named uh, Brian Wansink that show you just eat off a larger plate, you eat more food. Mm. Mm-hmm. So access matters. Yeah. All of these sources of influence, as they change piece by piece, start to create a more a more normative kind of behavior. They create new habits in society, yeah. and those create the problems that we lament. Uh, and, and it seems like so often that our, our natural reaction to whatever it is, whether it's powdered donuts or <laughs> or school shootings or, or whatever it may be, is that our, our instant response, particularly uh, governments or, or business response, uh, is usually to immediately try to control the behavior. Hmm. Um, so the debate, for instance, on guns it immediately becomes it's it's only the access exactly. component as opposed to looking at all the points of influence. How do we how do we get beyond that? How do we get leaders beyond that so that they're not just saying, well, we just need to control behavior uh, as opposed to we have opportunities to really influence uh, and ultimately that behavior is going to be a byproduct. Yeah, I think you're precisely right about our problem. So imagine that you had a, a big giant van that got stuck in the mud and uh, and you got six people who could potentially help you get out. And so you call one of them over and he pushes on the van, but he fails. And so you dismiss him and get the next one and the next one and the next one. That's how we tend to approach problems. When what you really need to do is get all six of these people pushing against it simultaneously, and then we can break free. And so what we tend to do is we'll say, for example, all right, let's escalate penalties. Let's pass a law that we're going to be tough on guns and tough on crime or whatever it is. And, And then what happens is that doesn't change things as a pattern. So we say, well, that didn't work. And then we try the new thing and we get flavors of the month. Well, the problem is not that that changing penalties doesn't work. The problem is that it's it's insufficient and it's it's a necessary component of change. You, know, you look at how we're approaching the o- opioid epidemic and uh, we're, we're going to go beat up on the pharmaceutical companies. And perhaps there's responsibility there. Perhaps right. that ought to be examined. But if you also aren't examining the social influence of a doctor who's in a room with somebody who's saying, hey, I'm uncomfortable mm-hmm. and they sort of reflexively prescribe that again. And now I feel like I've got the, the social support of my physician to say, I, I need this, I, I need opiates yeah. uh, longer in my recovery. Unless you look at every element of this, what you end up doing is kind of squeezing one part of the balloon and the air just shifts to the next. All right, that's my conversation with Joseph Grinney. I think that should be required for every member of Congress uh, to read his book, Influencer, and then to actually go through and figure out how to apply it because there's some real potential solutions in there. Uh, if people will just step back. If you missed that segment, uh, you can listen to the podcast uh, later on this afternoon, uh, either on your KSL News Radio app or uh, on the website. So check that out as well. All right, time to step aside. When we come back, we're going to talk with Deseret News' Erica Evans on what happens when a shooting hits your hometown. Stay with us on KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. 
Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.